You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramillo, credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. But the big news, Miami returning home after a seven-game road trip. Miami was also welcoming back 3,000 fans in attendance at the American Airlines Arena, about double what they had been allowing previously. After that road trip, they came back, had a sizable crowd in attendance, they were also welcoming back Goran Dragic. So along with all those fans, the Dragon making his return for after a couple of uh, injury-prone weeks where he did not participate during – he didn't join the team during that seven-game road trip. He had some shaky moments. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the segment. But more importantly, there was a game going on against the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are pretty good. If you listen to my preview of the game alongside Katie Heindel – we were talking about how good they've been. They've kind of found their identity. They've been playing very well, and that's without Kyle Lowry. Lowry actually returned to the lineup against the Heat. I wasn't expecting that at all, and he looked great. 24 points for him. The Raptors were on the second night of a back-to-back set. They got back Lowry. They needed that boost. Nick Nurse said before the game, he told reporters that it was going to be crucial for Lowry to play a significant amount of minutes, and he did, and they were great. He was a really solid contributor, played some great defense, you know, did the typical Lowry things, getting buckets, drawing fouls, uh, you know, overselling contact. That's who Lowry is. But I'll tell you, he'd be great in a heat uniform. He's kind of the player that you probably don't like watching play if he's going up against your team. He's annoying. You know, he talks to refs a lot, but his personality is magnetic. Uh, you know, he just he never seems to get teed up. He, kind of like Jimmy, where you know he's going to talk and he's going to complain loudly. And somehow referees kind of tolerate it because they know – his intentions are good. It's not the same thing. It's not It's not disrespectful so much as it is just loud. I don't know. Lowry in a heat uniform seems like a pipe dream. Just the salary. The fact that the Raptors are actually really good, I don't know that they want to sell high. It's a decision that Lowry and the team will make in the offseason, whether or not they want to offer him a sizable contract, whether or not he wants to stay in Toronto because he's happier there, or Tampa if they're playing there next season. That's a whole lot conversation. This is Locked on Heat. Go listen to Sean Woodley over at Locked on Raptors. Miami was playing beautifully to start the game. They kept it going in the second quarter, too. They jumped out to a 15-point lead, their biggest of the game. But, of course, the Raptors hit some shots, uh, shots to kick, uh, cut the lead to 10 at the half. And then Toronto started off the third quarter, third quarter, and exactly how you would expect it, a 10-0 run to tie the game. But the difference, Jimmy Butler immediately responding with his five, five unanswered points of his own, including one of three made three-pointers in the game. This is Jimmy Butler shooting 16% of the game, looking for his shot, including one where he pulled up on the move. He was dribbling, bringing the ball up court, and he pulled up to shoot to three, knew exactly what he wanted to do, nailed his shot. Missed one in the fourth quarter. Overall, however, phenomenal performance from Butler. You have concerns about his shooting. He always just does enough to kind of say, well, maybe his shot is actually pretty good, and he's not necessarily hurt or anything like that. 8 of 17 from the field, including 3 of 4 from three-point range, 8 of 8 from the line. That's a great game for Jimmy Butler. 
who might have been somewhat motivated because of the whole all-star snub. I'm not sure how much of a factor it was for him. Maybe it wasn't any kind of factor at all. But he seemed to recognize early on that because they were guarding Bam and Abayo so well and OG Ananabe, or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, Ananabe? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that's the right way of pronouncing it. I've said it before that way. And, and then I was criticized uh, on Twitter for it. So hopefully whoever's listening can offer a better way of pronouncing it. I, I feel like I'm following the NBA guides there regarding – they have a – for you, those of you who don't know this, there is a media site that uh, media members such as myself can log into. And there's a whole bunch of resources there, including video of all the other team interviews and things of that sort. And there is a pronunciation guide on how to pronounce certain people's names. I guess ones that are deemed most tricky for reporters to talk about. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think uh, OG Ananabe is how it's pronounced there. But I think I'm pretty uh, sticking to that pretty closely. Either way, Ananabe, his size difference, his strength, his quickness was really hindering Bam early on. And I think Bam was eventually able to compensate. He did finish with 19 points, including, you know, five of six free throws. He also finished with 12 rebounds, four assists, so a solid overall game, if not a great overall game from him. But Ananabe was playing him tightly there. He was using that combination of speed and his size. Matches up well. I mean, they were talking about this size differential. Like, the, you know, the, the Raptors have gone small ball, obviously. They got Siakam and Ananabe playing four or five interchangeably. And Ananabe was just doing a great job of, uh, you know, guarding Bam early on. Bam eventually was able to figure it out. They were using their drive and kick game perfectly. He was figuring out the spacing really well, and he moved his feet incredibly well in the painted area. So after Jimmy responded with his 5-0 run, the Heat were able to build just enough of a cushion, and the Raptors, look, to their credit, they never gave up. But neither did the Heat. They kept finding ways to make the big play, either a crucial stop or grabbing the big rebound or hitting a tough shot just enough to help them to their fourth straight win. After allowing Toronto to shoot 55% in the third quarter, Miami held the Raptors to just 39% in the fourth. So just clutch performance from them. I'm not sure if it's their best game of the season. It's pretty close, if not, uh, you know, the, the bounce back game against the Milwaukee Bucks early in the season without Jimmy in the lineup. Um, the game against the Nets where Bam wound up having his career high, even though they wound up losing that game was particularly enjoyable one this might be their best overall effort just because there were moments there while they did struggle but they did the right things here and there to show that this was the team of last season that this wasn't a fluke last year that they have found or refound regained their identity because they were sharing the ball 31 assists on 37 made field goals just moving the ball so well so crisply so much off ball movement and I think a big part of that is certainly Jimmy Butler back in the lineup, finding consistency. Goran Dragic certainly helped. Look, he he was a little shaky from the field. Absolutely understandable. He told reporters after the game that he thought he'd be a lot more tired, but he wound up having a pretty good game. Overall, 21 minutes, 4 of 13 from the field. That's not going to stay that way. Also got to the line six times, hit five of those shots, finished with 15 points, just three assists. Still rounding into form, but those were key moments. Luckily, Miami was able to get some pretty great contributions from Gabe Vincent, who finished with 11 points, including 3 of 5 shooting from 3-point range, and Andre Wadala, who was 4 of 5 from 3-point range. Totally unexpected. Jimmy is, once again, the difference maker. He'll always be. But I also feel like you keep getting so much 
so many contributions from Kendrick Nunn. And to me, he is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. He's averaging 18 points per game. The difference maker there, there's a joy in watching Kendrick play. A happiness, a level of enjoyment that the team just seems to feel when he's out there and playing well. Because even though he struggled from the field against the Raptors, just seven points, he also wound up having seven assists. Phenomenal performance from him where he was just looking to make the right play. I, there was one play in particular where he had the ball in his hands, and I feel like the, the none of yesterday would have forced a shot in the paint going up against a larger defender. Instead, he waited for the play to develop, knew that Duncan Robinson was trying to get free around a screen being set by Bam Adebayo, and when Robinson got free, none waited fed him the ball perfectly, and led to an easy wide-open three-pointer. A thing of beauty. And those shots came very frequently, too. He found Bam cutting to the rim for a lob. He found Kelly Olenek, uh, Olenek cutting to the rim as well. He did this on several occasions. And that's the kind of performance that we were expecting from Nunn earlier in the season. Unfortunately, it just didn't came, so find a way to work out. So I'm not sure what it is about him. I'm not sure if he's found a way to just enjoy the process. You know... Kind of like having a Michelob Ultra, you know, just 95 calories, just 2.6 carbs, but it feels right. It doesn't feel like a light beer. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, you're robbing yourself of any of the joy that comes with enjoying a good cold beer. And watching Kendrick play like this makes him the Ultra Player of the Week because he just brings the team to a whole other level. Yeah, you get great performances from Jimmy and Bam. That's pretty routine. But Kendrick's emergence in that starting lineups helps, makes him, I think, the player of the week. How he just stands out. You could probably award it to Jimmy almost any time. And certainly there's a joy in watching Jimmy as well. But Nunn's level of play has brought up the ceiling for this team pretty substantially. I'll talk about that in the next segment, along with some of the other performances that really stood out. I'll also break down the All-Star game and what happens uh, regarding the second half of the schedule and where Miami's currently standing in the standings, because that's a big story here on Locked on Heat. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today, wherever you get podcasts. <sighs> a good win. Get a good vibe from this team now. It's so funny how things have changed so completely over the last couple of weeks. I feel somewhat vindicated. I know part of this, like I can't help it. It, it feels self-aggrandizing, like, oh, look at me. I've been right about this all along. But I feel like I've also been one of the, like I've heard it from others that I've been one of the more positive voices uh, from Heat Media. I don't know. I feel like there's something wrong about constantly looking for... I, I've said this before about a friend of mine. Every time he was ever in a relationship, he was always looking for that back door. Like, as, as soon as things were going well, he was always saying, well, <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, I've still got this opportunity. He knows who he is. He probably agree with me, although he doesn't like to hear it. But the point is, I, I feel like this... This fan base, and certainly egged on by some local media members too, and national media members, as soon as there was a, was a chink in the armor, it was, oh boy, this team this team was a fluke, they're a failure, Pat Riley failed Jimmy Butler, 
need to make a trade, trade Jimmy. I mean, look, those arguments, I understand they're made from the passion and the heat, no pun intended, of the moment. But I also felt like it was appropriate to kind of just, you know, hit the brakes a little bit. This team is good. They didn't get much worse. They were without Tyler Hero tonight. They've, they've, they've been missing him for the last couple of games. He was hurt halfway against the Lakers, too, and they still wound up winning against the world champions. Who are missing Anthony Davis? I get all that. Look, everybody's going through something. You're still without your, you know, one of your best perimeter defenders in Avery Bradley, a guy who's shooting 45% from three-point range, I think. You know, pretty solid shooting, pretty solid defense. You bring him into this rotation, hell, you don't have to rely on Max Struess or Gabe Vincent. Not that there's anything wrong with them as players, but, you know, let's be honest. They're probably not supposed to be at this level contributing as well as they did. Now, I'll say for Gabe, he screwed the pooch right away. As soon as he got in the game, he wound up giving uh, up a, a Fred Van Vliet three-pointer. I'm thinking, oh, damn it. This is the Gabe Vincent experience. He's going to get toasted out there. He's going to give up a, a shit ton of points. He really worked hard on the defensive end. Had a couple key stops there. Wound up forcing a, a, a steal and then being awarded a um, clear path foul where he wound up taking two free throws and getting possession that led to a three-point play from Andre Iguodala. So a five-point swing when Miami desperately needed. And those are the kinds of plays what I'm talking about. Like when I was referring earlier to the big play that they kept making, those defensive possessions. Andre tipping the ball out, bam, grabbing a rebound. Duncan getting a big box out. Little things that made a huge difference. The sum added up to the part. Uh, I was the sum of its parts, sorry. The end result was a great win for Miami. And, you know, look, Vincent played his part. Pretty well. Struess didn't get any minutes today, understandably, especially considering Duncan Robinson seemed like he was uh, dialed up and, and playing a pretty solid game also. And Andre wound up having some great perimeter shooting, so you didn't need to rely so much on Struess. I think he'll get his opportunity here and there. I just, I'm not sure where it's going to come. Like, maybe on a back-to-back -back set or there's a lot of back-to-back -back games in the second half of the season. I wonder if Struess will get some minutes here and there. Maybe he'll start that first game. It's just to keep those rotations intact, you know how Spo likes to, you know, change things up a little bit, and then he'll he won't play in the second game. You know, Spo has some tough decisions to make, just as he has all season anyway. Right now, though, I, I want to say as far as the the game, as great as it was, it's also a huge story that Miami is now in the standings, like they are in the Eastern Conference playoff hunt. They started off pretty deep in the standings a couple weeks ago. They've slowly been working their way back up. You know, I'm kind of kidding about this because, you know, standings watch this early in the season, midway through, feels a little strange. But the overall problem to me is that there is so much of a logjam in between the fourth and the 11th seed, as they currently are in the Eastern Conference standing, just separated from three games. There's really only two teams that I wouldn't consider in the playoff hunt right now. That's the Cavaliers and the Pistons. And even the Cavs, if they get an injury break here and there, uh, if they get some more great performances from Jared Allen, uh, I could see them being a not a contender, but at least pushing for a, a berth in the play-in tournament. The Pistons, you know, they are what they are. They're probably not going to be able to contend anytime soon. Even Washington, they're 6-4 and four over their last 10 games. They've got Bradley Beal. If they can get contributions from everybody else, including Russell Westbrook, Thank goodness he's not in a Heat uniform. I think they could, again, make a push as Boston continues to struggle. The fire Brad Stevens crowd is getting a lot louder. They lost another tough game there. They got blown out. 
there's audio of a Jason Tatum interview where as he's talking to media members via Zoom, you can hear Brad Stevenson yelling, guys, guys, in the locker room as noise is being tossed around. I don't know. I, I don't know if the Celtics are going to address it. I don't know if it's been debunked or not. It's just this was a team that was supposed to be really, really good this year. They've got such great talent there and everything else. And then, of course, there were concerns about how Kemba Walker would play. He struggled. I didn't think they would be this bad. Like the Tristan Thompson addition was meh. I didn't think they would fall apart so completely. And they they had flashes. I mean, look, when you've got two all-stars in Brown and Tatum, you'd think they'd have better chances of, of advancing in the Eastern Conference standings. Right now, they are below 500, and they just they don't look happy. There's all, I know they're missing Marcus Smart, too, but I can't believe that Smart is that much of a difference maker. I'll say that Tatum also seems to be having lingering effects of COVID-19. He did test positive. He did catch it. And he's had problems with his endurance and things of that sort. So I wonder if that's going to be a, a lingering concern for the rest of the season until he gets his win back. I mean, look at what happened with Kendrick Nunn. He never really quite admitted it to the public, but it's possible. I thought they were using it as a smokescreen to just kind of say, look, he, he's got COVID. He's not going to play as many minutes. And maybe he's just, you know, because he's not that good. But perhaps neither the team nor Kendrick will ever admit to it. So it's a, it's a conversation for another time. But as far as the standings, you know, you, you're going to be tested leading up to the All-Star break. And the second half of the schedule is coming up. I'll talk about that again in the next segment. But when you're looking at these Eastern Conference opponents and and how much of a difference each game could make, you know, regarding seeding and, and tiebreakers and things of that sort, look, Miami is seventh in the East right now with a 15 and 17 record. Just a game out of fourth to the Indiana Pacers, who were at fifth below, but the Raptors' loss sent them down to fifth. So things can change very quickly. It's just that separation of three games that I keep coming back to. Like they got four games left in the first half to Heat two before the All Star break. Utah on Friday. A two-game set at home versus the Atlanta Hawks and then against the Pelicans in New Orleans. If the Heat can win just three of the next four games, they'll be over 500 for the first time all season heading into the All-Star break. Unbelievable. That's a, that's a great story there, considering how bad they looked at certain stretches there. That positivity, people. I've been preaching it. I hope you'll all jump on the train now. The bandwagon is open. If you want to get back onto it, I know it's not quite so tired. I mean, it's not to knock anybody. I understand why people were as negative. I don't like a lot of the, not necessarily hate mongering or fear mongering. That's probably a better term. It was just as soon as they had a bad game, even still, like, I mean, there are some people, prominent members of Heat Twitter, who after the recent success saying they're still a bad team, they need to make a trade, things of that sort. I. I don't think it's likely to happen. I've been pretty consistent about that. I don't think a trade happens, certainly not for a big player. Like a fringe name, maybe, uh, Neyman Bialica, maybe somebody else along those lines. I mean, every rumor is going to be a rumor at this point. Right now, you get Tyler healthy and his 18 points per game off the bench to play alongside a healthier Goran Dragic. You get Avery Bradley out there. You're deeper. You're better. Struess and Vincent have been getting playing time. Precious will probably be getting some playing time here and there. Like You have a much more well-rounded team. I don't know how consistently you could go to Andre Iguodala. My, my feeling is that, look, this depth is going to continue to help itself. Just all these opportunities are going to be so beneficial to all these players. But Eric Spolster has to be a little bit more 
flexible and when he gets a guy into the lineup when he you know gives an opportunity to a player that might not had a lot of chances before he has to be able to read the room and you know that was my biggest compliment of Spolstra in the Orlando bubble was his ability to make those changes and recognize you know what Jay Crowder is a better starter than Myers Leonard and it worked out so well hopefully he'll be able to do this and a game-to-game basis it's a lot more difficult I understand he has his his way of keeping his rotations and things of that sort. But this is a different season, and different seasons call for very different plans of action. And if if you can introduce a little bit of flexibility, still giving everybody the opportunity to play and chip in, a Casey Opala, a Struce of Vincent, these guys need to get thrown a bone every once in a while, or they're just going to be you know languishing on the bench there where they can't find a way to contribute. That attitude is not dangerous necessarily because they are ultimately just role players, but it's not great. You want everybody to feel like they're part of something. You're missing, you know, one of your best positive vibes in the locker room in Myers Leonard. You want the other guys to feel like they're a part of this group and you're not going to get that infusion of energy that Jay and Andre and Solomon Hill brought last year. It's just not going to happen the same way. I don't know if you're, even if you acquire a Bielitsa, is he the guy that's going to pop in that locker room? Is he going to feel like, you know, is he going to struggle to get used to playing alongside Kelly Olenek? Is Olenek going to feel threatened by Bielitsa? I mean, there's there's so much of a weird vibe whenever you acquire a new player. It's, and also depends on who you have to move in order to acquire a sub-player. Now, yes, they have a trade exception. They had the Myers-Leonard, uh, $4.7 million. It's A trade can disrupt chemistry midway through the season, especially when you're playing so well. <laughs> I mean, they've won a bunch of games of late. Let's be happy with that, right? It's It's positive trends at just the right time he struggled earlier for obvious reasons and now you've got everybody back the band is back together and they're playing beautiful music i'll talk about the weird schedule of the second half in the next segment here on locked on heat the number one podcast for the latest news rumors and analysis you know what else is number one it's bill Bar. The best tasting protein bar I've ever had, and I'm sure that you all have as well. If you haven't tried it by now, you're doing yourself a disservice. I've said it before, 18 amazing flavors. You can mix and match, form your own bar of whatever flavors you want. They're all great. They're all 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and that's the best part. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but they are. They're great for healthy, health-conscious people. If you're looking to lose or maintain weight, you still want a snack, Built Bar is the way to go. Uh, you just you won't be disappointed. And best of all, if you go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get 20% off. That's such a great deal. You can build and match whatever box you want with assorted flavors. Get some for yourself. Get some for your family, your coworkers. It's such a great bargain. And right now, again, if you use that promo code 20 LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. February's Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, we have two conversations for you to wrap up the month. First, a discussion on protests in sports across leagues. Then, tune in for a discussion on the importance of black history in sports, what's been achieved, and the important work left to be done all in discussion on the Locked On Presents podcast feed. Subscribe on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. I'll talk about the all-star snubbing thing here because uh, you're all aware of this by now, and I, I've made my point 
pretty clear, I think, via Twitter or on past shows. The game itself feels like a joke. I I hate that the distinction of All-Star, like now that we're in it and, and we're like rating players of the past so consistently, like who's the GOAT or, you know, who's a great role player from such and such bygone era. And we're not aware of the nuances of how these players got an All-Star vote. Like you could think about what's happening nowadays and, and how these players we're all talking about the snubs, right? Devin Booker being added there, despite him being statistically one of the best players in the league, finally being a part of a winning team, which was the knock on him for so often, those empty calories uh, regarding his production. And, it, you know, it's funny how when you add a Hall of Fame level player like Chris Paul and make some right roster moves, all of a sudden Devin Booker is part of a winning team and still putting up pretty big numbers. It's just, it's so hard to separate team success from an individual player success. Look at Bradley Beal, leading scorer in the league by a wide margin, and his team still struggling for the most part. Not great. Not a great roster around Beal and, I don't know, I don't know who their second best player is, Rui Hachimura. It's tough to kind of even argue that, right? I, you know, Bam deserves the accolades. I feel like he'll still be in the all-NBA discussion at the end of the season. That he doesn't get the all-star nod. I guess that it sucks if that's what some... I don't think he wants to be part of the quote-unquote festivities in Atlanta. I don't think anybody wants to. But um, I'd rather he rest, take the time to, you know, kind of just recalibrate, get ready for the the second half of the season, because it's going to be tough. You know, Jimmy, I don't think he's as upset as uh, Bam might possibly be. Bam kind of just put it out of his mind and went to work. Jimmy, I think, followed suit. I think, you know, he's been there enough. He knows what it's all about. I think for a player at his age, it's more about just kind of getting the rest and trying to cement your legacy to improve your Hall of Fame credentials. I don't know that Jimmy, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that Jimmy's the kind of guy who wants to be in the Hall of Fame. Does he want to have that recognition? It's it's hard to gauge with Jimmy. He doesn't seem like the typical player that's obsessed over legacy. He just wants to win because he's so competitive. And if that helps him get Whatever individual accolades he needs to get, that's fine. I, I know he likes the recognition of being a great individual player, but he also likes being the guy that propels his team to victory, something he did, obviously, last year. So, you know, both players are snubbed. I don't think there's going to be any kind of injury replacement or anything like that. And if there is, maybe they'll get in. There's other players. Chris Middleton didn't get the nod. You know, I, I think uh, did Trey Young get in? I It just... I don't have a problem with Nikola Vucevic getting in. He's putting up great numbers for Orlando, a bad team that's gone through a, a terrible run of injuries. Vuce is a, a great player and a, a good person who I always enjoy talking to. And I, I got a chance to interview him in Charlotte when he was first elected as an all-star player a couple of years ago. And uh, that was a great opportunity for me. So I always appreciate Vuce. He's a great skilled pat player. He doesn't seem to fit in for the fun uh, festivities of an all-star game, but he's a good player, and he absolutely deserves to be there. And, you know, Zach Levine, his numbers are ridiculous. If you haven't watched the Chicago Bulls play, you know, he is putting up incredible numbers. And I know the argument is, oh, on-off numbers, and um, maybe those wins need to be – he needs to be part of a more a better winning team. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, the, the Bulls are actually ahead of the, the, the heat at this current time in the standings. They're a pretty solid team. They've made some improvements there. He's doing everything they can. I don't know. This is also what changes your perspective about 
whether or not you can pry a Thad Young loose or something like that. Is he a player that's going to be available? Not if the Bulls want to actually make the playoffs, and it seems like they're contending for a playoff spot. So they don't seem to be the uh, potential trade partner that they did appear to be earlier in the season. But but let's move on. Let's just close out the segment regarding the, the 36 games left on the schedule. 18 home games, 18 road contests. So not bad, Five and, uh, 500 at each. It begins after the All-Star break on March 11th. Your first game is against the Orlando Magic away from the uh, American Airlines Arena. And it goes all the way through May 16th. So, again, that's when the regular season ends, the play-in tournament, etc. The Heat will make five national television appearances. Two broadcasts on TNT, which is fine. Two on ESPN and one on NBA TV. Of course, those can all be flexed out if Miami suddenly starts losing or if there's another team that's... Uh, elected to be in the national television market and they wind up struggling and they want to put Miami in there if they all of a sudden catch fire and become a you know the playoff team that they were last year maybe they'll get some more national exposure uh, they kick off uh, the second half of the season again on March 11th then they head out on a two-game road trip to play Chicago and then Orlando so uh, that's the start of the schedule uh, the schedule also features two four-game homestands First from March 19th to March 25th, then from April 1st through April 8th, just in time for my birthday, uh, with exciting matchups, according to the Heat press release, including the Los Angeles Lakers visiting Miami on Thursday, April 8th. So that is uh, exciting. We'll see how uh, whether or not Anthony Davis is back in that lineup and whether or not Miami can challenge them the way they did in Los Angeles. Miami's longest road trip is a four-game stretch, so no back-breaking seven-game stretches. It's still going to be tough. And the Heat will play nine sets of back-to-back games during the second half of the schedule. So, not great. You make do, right? Miami can't figure it out. I feel like they've gone through a really, really bad stretch. And so so long as they can stay, that's me knocking on wood, reasonably lucky with health, with everything. You know, if they don't lose a player to COVID or health and safety protocols for a prolonged period of time, if Avery Bradley can stay somewhat healthy, and here's hoping that he'll be able to come back Maybe not before the All-Star break, because at this point in time, if you're able to keep winning and, and you just want to rest him for a little bit longer, do it. Bring him back after the All-Star break, and he's just somebody that you can work slowly into the rotation. He's a veteran. He knows how to get acclimated fairly quickly. For Miami, I, I feel they'll just figure it out. You're building those good habits. You're finding ways to continue winning. I'm, I feel positive about the second half of the season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll come crashing down around us. But for now, I feel like Miami has showed enough signs over the last couple of games where they, to me, are a definitely improved team and much more reminiscent of the team that went deep into the NBA playoffs last season. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. I mean it. I could absolutely use those reviews. I love getting that kind of feedback. So if you're listening to this, please leave a review if you haven't already. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you as always for your support.